Hello and welcome to You Got This, a podcast about teaching and learning, community, conversation, and your digital life, made for everyone at Thompson Rivers University. I'm your host, Brenna Clark Gray, Coordinator of Educational Technologies, and this podcast is a project of your friends over at Learning Technology and Innovation. We're housed within open learning, but we support the whole campus community. I record this podcast in Tecumloops Te Sequepum within the unceded traditional lands of Sequepum Ulu, where I hope to learn and grow in community with all of you. And uh, re- reading week is done, my friends, which means we are on the backslide to spring. And uh, I'm going to try to channel some of that energy and talk a little bit about renewal. Let's get into it. So renewal takes on a particular form uh, over here where I work. There's been a bit of a campus reorg. Reporting structures are changing. And I don't fully understand all of it. Hence, today's guest, Paul Martin, uh, is here to talk a little bit about what the reorganization of some components of open learning, including my team, means for larger structures on campus. But it's also got me thinking about the work I do and where it lives. So my team is now reporting up through the AVP Academic, which is a, a pretty big change, right? We've always been sort of housed within open learning. I say it at the beginning of every podcast. And I think, I think I still live in open learning. I'm not like 100% sure, actually, uh, on paper what it looks like. But the reporting structure has shifted. And it's been an interesting conversation, you know, because we've been talking a lot about the fact that there's going to be greater integration between campus and open learning. That's a mandate of the new provost. And it's an interesting piece because I've always sort of felt like a bridge between the worlds of open learning and campus. I do all my work. Well, 95% of my work with campus faculty, but obviously my job lives in open learning and I lean heavily on the expertise of my colleagues on the media team here in open learning to make things happen, right? Like without Nicole and Stephanie and John who make our websites and videos turn into things that people might want to look at, (laughs) the work of this team would be greatly diminished. So those connections within open learning have always been really, really important. And also, I've never felt particularly divorced from campus because I see you campus faculty folks every single week in office hours or in workshops or in sessions or we exchange emails. And so I don't know, it's interesting. I don't know what any of this will mean for the way we do our work. I think think we do a pretty great job with the resources that we have. And so I hope things will continue on a pace. But this is a time of year when we start to think about spring, hopefully soon, (laughs) change, renewal. So it's interesting to be in this moment of um, maybe rethinking the structure of how things happen around here at the same time. As I say, for the most part, I don't see it changing the day-to-day of my work and what I do. My hope is that it brings us even closer to the kinds of projects that we want to do. You know, on this topic of of renewal and rebirth and energizing, um, my colleague Marie Bartlett and I at the TPC, we wanted to talk about this new idea we have for the TRU Open Press and the idea of bringing in-house in one place all the resources that we have to offer folks who want to do open projects, whether that is an open knowledge mobilization plan for your research or an open textbook or anything in between. And we have so much expertise here at TRU, both in terms of people who have done these projects successfully and can share their wisdom and experience to the range of platforms that we can offer to the technical expertise to actually get it done. You know, it's it's amazing (laughs) when you actually take a look at what we can do around here. And I think that's important to remember too. 
it hasn't really impacted us where we've lived in our ability to make connections either within the teams at Open Learning or across campus or both, often, almost always both, to actually get the work done. And thinking about what that might look like in the future is really exciting. You know, finding a way to really celebrate all of that work, which is sort of what the TRU Open Press is all about. I'll put a link to some of the information about that in the show notes. It's not real yet. It doesn't exist. <laughs> it is it is a funding application, really, more than it is anything. And a dream. A funding application and a dream. Like so many things I get up to around here. All right. Well, while I'm on the topic of reorgs, reinventions, and things that are new, it would probably help to just let my friend and colleague, Paul Martin, explain it in a way that uh, comes from someone who knows. Because I really, one thing I really do recognize through, <laughs> through this process is I am not, I am not one who knows. So I defer to people with greater structural and institutional expertise than me. And today, that's Paul. So I'm going to let Paul take it from here. So I am here today with Paul Martin. Paul, would you say a little bit about what you do on campus, maybe where folks can find you, you know, when they're looking for you? Well, it feels like people are always looking for me. I'm <laughs> doing my best to hide. Yeah. Hi, I'm Paul, and I'm the uh, Director of Curriculum Development and Delivery for Open Learning at TRU. And right now I'm splitting my time between uh, my office on the fourth floor of the Open Learning Building and also the uh, the clock tower where I'm working uh, part of the week out of the office of the Associate Vice President Academic. Okay, so this is really why I've invited you to the show this mm. week. There's been a bit of a reorg over here and... I only understand like a very small part of it. And last week I was having coffee with someone and they were like, I heard there's a reorg at Open Learning. What's that about? And I was like, I don't think I can explain it, but I know someone who can. <laughs> and then Paul, you got roped into coming on the show to explain the reorg. So I wondered if you could give like a little sort of short synopsis of what the reorganization is and maybe why we're trying this and uh, and maybe then we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Brenna. That's a great question. And uh, I think it's one that's been, that we've been getting a lot for sure. I, I think one of the first places to start is that open learning is a, is a massive operation. And I think it's very easy to say, oh, this is the fourth floor of the, uh, of the open learning building and they do some online courses and things, but open learning the open learning as a, as a whole, you know, encompasses not only the development and the delivery of all the courses that are uh, offered to uh, to TRE students through open learning, but also all of the open learning faculty members who uh, work remotely. We've got close closing in on three hundred open learning faculty members. Open learning serves fifteen thousand students. Uh, only two thousand of those are are dual enrollment students who uh, would be students who take courses on campus and through open learning. So that's thirteen thousand students spread, you know, really throughout British Columbia, across Canada, and around the world. Our offices serve all of those students. We have a, a student engagement and experience team as well, but also run through open learning are, for example, the copyright office for all of campus. We have a team of editors. We have all of the production staff that goes into building the uh, the open learning courses. And then also, of course, the team that you're part of, the, the learning technology uh, team, the instructional designers who are 
at Trufa faculty, along with you and your colleagues in learning technology and innovation, who are faculty. But then also we have you know a partnerships team and the uh, prior learning assessment and recognition team as well, the PLAR team that serves well hundreds of students a year, and you know it, it's again offering more flexibility for learners and, and assessment of prior learning. So in, it, you know that's a, a brief overview of the of the large team. And really, we've all been working together, but you know, working also in very different sort of areas. And and my areas, which encompass, it's shrunk a little bit as of February first. So the student engagement and experience team, which reported to me before, is now staying and reporting to uh, to Don Poirier. Um, and Don oversaw all of this operation before. But as of February first, we're adding Shannon Wagner, who's the associate vice president of academic. To her, we'll be reporting all of the curriculum development staff, the uh, the course delivery teams, and also the learning technology uh, uh, teams as well. So that addition of of uh, Shannon and so that I guess that bifurcation of the uh, of the open learning unit means that we will have you know sort of a, a stronger focus in this area on the course development side of things, on the course delivery uh, side of things, and really through the AVPA, I think, help in working with schools and faculties to try to uh, streamline some of our processes, to try to really reinforce that a TRU student is a TRU student. TRU course is a TRU course. And I think it's been very easy sometimes in the past for schools and faculties, for faculty who are working on campus and certainly for administration and also even the, you know, the service areas, student services, things like that, to say, oh, well, open learning is something different. They're over there. They do their thing. We only serve campus. So this is an attempt to really try to bring those things together that have always been together, but not necessarily perceived as being together, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I I think that a big place where there is misunderstanding, and I, I say this because I work in the open learning division and I don't think I understand this, is like the ownership of courses and how those courses get developed. Because um, you just said, you know, we're, we're trying to remind folks that a TRU course is a TRU course is a TRU course. Can you give like a little, I don't know, like an elevator pitch, <laughs> a little synopsis of how course development actually works on the open learning side? Oh, yeah, I would love to. And, you know, not only do we have 15,000 students taking courses through open learning, we're trying to actually really move away from language, let's say an open learning course or an open learning student, right? To just sort of reinforce that it's a TRU student taking a course through open learning. And then we have courses that are delivered uh, through open learning, and there are about 450 of those which is a huge portfolio of courses. There are degrees, uh, certificates, diplomas that are offered through open learning that are also offered through campus. And then there are degrees and programs that are offered through open learning that aren't offered on campus. So for instance, we have a veterinary technology program that there's a campus offering, and then there's an offering at a distance through open learning. There's an MBA that's offered on campus and an MBA that's offered through open learning. And those things are, you know, both of those programs are, are quite aligned but then we also have, for example, a Bachelor of General Studies that doesn't exist on campus that students can take through open learning. And, you know, students on campus who want to have a more maybe uh, a self-directed type of degree 
and program of study, they can actually take the, uh, we find that a lot of the students who are taking the BA General Studies, the Bachelor of General Studies, are students who take 100% of their courses on campus, but they get their degree pulled together absolutely through open learning. So, you know, I saw a degree, Bachelor of General Studies the other day, because I do the, I proof the graduation audits on those courses, of a student who just pulled together like just the coolest assortment of courses. They took everything that they could do in terms of trades and architecture and engineering or those kinds of things. And then also took courses in, I can't remember, one of the, you know, one of the humanities or something and just assembled this really interesting degree for themselves. But there's no way to do that on campus. But the Bachelor of General Studies allows students to, uh, to do that. We also have a Bachelor of Health Sciences that's offered through Open Learning. And that doesn't exist on campus as well, but that's the the biggest uh, degree that we have that's that's run through open learning. So courses for for those programs and for the programs that are more aligned with what we would see on campus, all courses are really under the oversight of the schools and faculties. So open learning doesn't have any autonomy to say, you know what, we really need a course in I don't know quantum mechanics or something, you know, and just create that on our own. Really, the course proposals or proposals to revise courses have to come through uh, the schools and faculties, and they put those through all the regular course proposal processes we have on campus. They go through all the various committees, and then basically, in terms of the you know once that's all approved, the the execution of that uh, course development happens through open learning. Schools and faculties have input into, uh, and they sit on the hiring committees for the people who develop those courses. They set the qualifications for the open learning faculty members who will deliver those courses. And, you know, there are a good number of our open learning faculty members who are also uh, faculty members on campus. There are two different unions, TRUFA, which is on campus, and TROLFA, the TRU Open Learning Faculty Association. You can be members of both of those unions and teach in both of those areas. So once that proposal comes to us, we hire a, a course developer, a subject matter expert, you know, it's another way of phrasing that. And they work together with the instructional designer to really develop and design that course. And the instructional designer is there really to help the SME in terms of pedagogy, in terms of, you know, what kind of works for this modality that might work differently from what would happen on campus. Because the thing is, with uh, many of our courses in open learning are continuous enrollment, which means that a student can start a course at any time and they have up to 30 weeks to finish. They could finish in five, they could finish in 30. As an OFM, you might have 100 students taking a course at a time, but every single student is probably in a different place than the others. So that influences really a lot of the pedagogy and and thinking about instructor presence in the course. And even as an instructor, you you can't pop in like we would do if we were teaching a, a sort of a live synchronous course online to say, hey, everybody, we're on to unit two this week. Uh, here are the things to watch out for. Students are in a different place every time. So you really have to build that course in a, in a very intentional way that takes advantage of the affordances of of that sort of self-paced modality. So you have to be really mindful about those things. So the things that just don't work that might seem that they would make sense, like let's get students into groups, right? And have right. have a group discussion on a <laughs> on a discussion board or even just discussion board postings. You might say, okay, you know, put up a post and and wait for a student, to, you know, someone else to respond and then respond to their uh, initial response to your post. It doesn't really work when every student is in a different in a different place. So, and yet that flexibility that those kinds of courses offer 
is really one of the things that sets the courses we offer through Open Learning apart because that flexibility is something that students are really craving. And you'll see a lot of students commenting about how, wow, they were taking courses at, at a particular university, they discovered open learning, and now they can you know take courses at their own pace. And for stu- students who are self-motivated, it really is a is a huge plus for them. I was going to ask, you know, we court, when, when you're writing a course in, in a face-to-face setting, right, you, you imagine a student. Now, we spend a lot of time unpacking that imagination, right? Because sometimes we imagine the student really wrong or just as a reflection of ourselves. But I guess who is the imagined open learning student when developers are designing that course and thinking through who that learner is? What what does that look like uh, on the open learning side? Oh, yeah, that's such a great question, Brenna. And it's a really interesting one. Typically, I think if we look back at the history of open learning, and remember, this started as the open learning agency, you know, 40 plus years ago, TRU has been doing this. Well, you know, what what eventually became TRU and through Open Learning has been doing this since 1979. And one of the uh, the mandates of, of TRU and the TRU Act that created the institution, which brought together University College of the Caribou with BC Open University, was that it's there to serve the, you know, one of the mandates is to be a sort of a regional university, but also to serve the open and distance learning needs of the province. So, this is one of the things I, you know, I always say. I go and speak at new staff orientation all the time, and I say, you know, you might think of TRU as being the footprint that we see, the number of students we see walking through the door on campus, but imagine it being twice as big and serving people everywhere. There is a TRU student in every corner of the country. You could probably walk into a Tim Hortons in Halifax or a Yellowknife and find a student doing their homework for a TRU course. Historically, we would see those students as being older, often employed, full-time, trying to get ahead, single parents, people who are trying to move forward in their careers and doing things on the, in their spare time, sort of, or, or being able to devote times where you couldn't actually come to a face-to-face campus, right? If your only time to take your courses is between 8 p.m. and after the kids go to bed and 11, you're not going to find a course uh, on campus that would allow you to do that. But open learning, give those sort of flexible learning opportunities for students. So historically, the average student for us tended to uh, be older, be in a, uh, a remote area, and be someone who's working you know, part-time or full-time or being a, a caregiver for someone. We see lots of students, too, who are, who are caregivers for you know, elderly parents and things like that as well. But what I think one of the fascinating things is that, you know, over the last number of years, the average age for open learning students is really almost the same as the average age for the, the uh, students on campus at TRU. So that average age has been trending downward. And instead of having students who are, you know, because the other type of demographic I guess we serve would be students at other institutions who, wow, I failed biology this year. I have to pick it up in order for me to move forward to my degree. Next year, uh, I need to do it over the summer or you know, find a way to get it done really quickly, and I'll, I'll look to open learning, but I'm a student at another institution. The biggest growth area for us right now is in students doing their entire degrees through open learning and their entire program. So that's actually the majority of our students now. And the age is trending significantly downward. So we're looking at really almost the same demographic you know, it's a broader demographic, but really concentrated still in, um, I would say, students in their in their twenties. So, uh, 
it's really, I think that sort of shift has been fascinating. And it's hard to, like you say, it's hard to, uh, it's easy to imagine, you know, who the students are and why that might be. Those still could be students who are working full time and who can't do things elsewhere. Or, you know, I think we're seeing a rise in students who are taking a full course load, doing their programs online because they've discovered that that's actually a reality and an approach that really works well for them. Do you think that that change has accelerated after the so many universities experience like a campus closure, like for so many students, they kind of maybe got a taste of learning online that they hadn't had access to before or the mandates in high schools. Like, do you think there's just more awareness of that as a learning modality? I do. Absolutely. No. I mean, we've seen, we saw a, uh, a significant jump, I guess, you know, enrollment in courses offered through open learning has grown year over year over year at TRU, you know, for the last uh, decade. We saw a little bit of a drop post pandemic but really when you look at the at the enrollment over the last 2 years and you, you you see sort of 2020 21 as a bit of a blip we're still on that path i think of growth but one of the things that we have heard for sure from students is uh wow you know what this really worked well for me and i don't really want to go back or we have students saying you know what i'd really like to do i'd really like to take a couple of courses on campus through the year and take the rest of my courses online just to have that that flexibility. And I think that really connects a little bit to one of the, um, I guess, strategic directions that's being set with this change in reporting structure as well, right? So how does TRU become more responsive to the needs and the uh, the interests of, uh, of all TRU students? So it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. I think it's a little early to tell. Um, I think there was certainly the the novelty of coming back to campus, for sure, for students. But I hear from students all the time that, you know what, that's been great, but I really do miss actually being able to to do at least some of my courses online. Because maybe I don't want to come to campus every day. And campus is great, but you know, they're realizing that actually all that time that they that they didn't have to spend on the bus or waiting between classes, looking for a place to study on campus, you know, things like that they didn't experience while they were learning remotely, that there were some advantages to that. Well, you've sort of segued into my next question by reflecting on the strategic priorities. I'm, I'm wondering what you see as sort of the opportunities or the benefits of this reorganization. I guess I'm <laughs> uncharacteristic for this show, Paul, I'm asking you to be hopeful <laughs> as you look towards sort of this new era for open learning and the structure that we kind of fall under within TRU. You know, I'm always someone who sort of tends to be on the on the hopeful, even when I'm, you know, on the day-to-day basis might be encountering things that cause me to throw up my hands and go, what's going on? Because if you imagine, I oversee the work really of, you know, I've got wonderful associate directors who work with me, wonderful teams, but, you know, the things that filter up to me are the things that people go, okay, well, I can't solve that. We'll send that to Paul. So I get the really situations that you just go, I don't know if there's an answer for that one. So somehow in the midst of all of that, I do find cause for for optimism. And I think, you know, this is one of the things that drew me to open learning in the first place. I've got a long history and work with OERs and open access and open pedagogy, especially in my own career as a, as a teacher and, and as an educational developer after that. But if you look at the, I mean, just look at that, right? 15,000 students across Canada who might not have access to post-secondary really in a good way, and we're helping them achieve their educational goals. And so, you know, it's very easy to look at things that don't work or things that could be better or things that have gone off the rails. But 
I just circle back to that every day, right? The students that we serve. And I think one of the goals behind this reorg is to really find ways to be more responsive. And we have challenges where, you know, schools and faculties are are really tapped out. I mean, they're really, if you think about TRU in some ways as an institution where the departments, the schools and faculties are built for a university of half its size if you don't, you know, once you factor in open learning. So when we come to people and say, well, we're, here's a gap in the, in the curriculum, our students really need this course, it's very easy to say, well, we've got all this other stuff going on on campus. So, you know, I'm sorry that that's going on, but we really don't have time to to help you to work on that. Or if there are student challenges, you know, well, those are open learning students, they aren't our students, things like that. So this is really, I think, a move by the provost and the uh, and the AVPA um, to really help us to enlist the support of departments and uh, schools and faculties to say that, no, a tier U student is a tier U student and a tier U course is a tier U course. And we need to make sure that we are able to keep those courses current, to make sure that we have all of the curricular offerings that we need to for students to be able to complete key degrees, such as you know the the, um, the BA in Psych or the Bachelor of Computing Science, which you know is a huge program for us. It's, I think everybody's intentions are in the right place. You know, from three and a half years in this role, I can say that there's a lot there's a lot of things that you know you, you can't really understand the 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 full scope or the complexity of the of the problems until you've been really face to face with them for a while so you know i think there are things that you know other people involved who are getting closer to open learning right now or you know it, it, it seems really clear and then you actually look at it more closely and you and you know their eyes get big and uh <laughs> start to go oh we do that or oh we have to figure that out but people are really i think people are really trying uh, hard and that I've got nothing but respect for uh, for that, and I think we're working on really addressing some of the key challenges. I think if you look back at the history of you know when TRU was created, I think there was this uh, this goal for the open learning side of it to be much more integrated. And you know we need the space for all of our teams and things like that. But when you're up on the fourth floor of a building, sort of on the you know the outer rim of of campus, there it's very easy for people to say, oh well, that's an open learning thing, or oh well, yeah, go talk to open learning because we don't understand. So I, I think this is I think this is good. It's it's certainly not easy, and there's lots of <laughs> there's lots of challenges, but. Like I said, I think people's intentions are in the right place. I think that's a that's a good and hopeful place to leave it, Paul. Thanks so much for your time today and for explaining this I don't know, this this new structure and how it's gonna work. It it was actually helpful for me too. So so thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, Brenna. Thanks for having me. So that is it for season three, episode twelve of You Got This. As always, if you want to write to us, you can email me. I'm bgray at tru.ca. I'm also on Twitter for as long as that exists, at Brenna C. Gray. And in both cases, that's gray with an A. All of our show notes and transcripts are posted at yougotthis.truebox.ca. And of course, you can always comment on individual episodes there. I'm going to leave you today with a tiny teaching tip. With Reading Week behind us, this is the perfect time for a check-in with your students. 
Oftentimes, I think we approach reading week with this sense that we are going to get so much done. I speak for students, faculty, and staff alike, right? It's finally going to be quiet for a week and I'm going to get all this stuff done. And so sometimes the return to class after that can, um, well, I don't know, sometimes we get confronted by all we didn't do, all we thought we'd do. But it's also, you know, we're getting towards, I guess we're midpoint in the semester this is when things get hard, right? Major projects, big essays, exams, these things are often heavily weighted to the after reading week period. So it's a good time just to check in and make sure everything is ticking along for your students. And you know what? It's a good time to check in on yourself too. Don't beat yourself up too much about what didn't get done over reading week. I say this as someone whose to-do list did not, did not get to done. And instead, let's just try to keep our wheels on the road together. Check in with your students, check in with each other, and I'll keep thinking about you. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.